Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just well, welcome to down. Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company providing life-changing nutrition education and counseling. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. We're doing a little celebrating today because this is the 11th year of bringing you Dishing Up Nutrition. 11 years. It's amazing how fast 11 years flies by when you love what you do. Even at 6 o'clock in the morning when we absolutely for this show. <laughs> I think you're really going to appreciate our topic today because if you've ever wondered what does non-GMO mean or what is organic versus natural or conventional or even what does it mean to be cage-free, that's the chicken I think, <laughs> or what is genetically modified salmon, all these terms can be confusing, so I asked Brittany Thomas, who is a registered and licensed dietitian, to be our co-host today. Brittany not only sees clients and teaches classes, she also leads our grocery store tours. And actually, Brittany, you have quite a few of them scheduled, don't you? I have two coming up, but both of them are already full. So stay <laughs> tuned, because we will add more to the schedule. That's right. So, you know... Um, you really understand the ins and outs of labeling, and that's one of the things that you go over in the grocery store tours. Yes, I do, because as you just said, Dar, there's so many of these terms out here, and it's hard to know what they even mean. So during the grocery store tour, we review all that and, and what to even look for on a label. And recently, I wrote a blog about understanding food labels, which will be on the weight and wellness website next week. So if you miss part of the show today or, or need a little refresher or just want to know more, go to weightandwellness.com and click on blogs. So, you know, Brittany, I read that over before, you know, when you sent it over. And I think that's going to be a great resource for mm -hmm. people because these are confusing terms sometimes. So, you know, because this marks the 11th year of Dishing Up Nutrition, I wanted to bring back a good friend and a special guest who has more knowledge of organics and food labels and GMOs than anyone else I know. Probably anyone else in the world. <laughs> so even better, she was a co-host with me when we started Dishing Up Nutrition 11 years ago. We started this show together. Yeah, so it's really a pleasure to welcome back B. James, who has worked in the organic and natural industry for over 30 years. You started as a little kid, didn't you? I know. You? I sound old now, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we were, I was walking in today, I was thinking, you know, at my age, and if I've got some dietitian that I am training in that's only 27, well, I've got 50 years more experience of that person. Yeah. We've been eating so, organic and natural food for a long that's time. That's why we, we still look 25. <laughs> Before it was called organic and natural. <laughs> so most of our experience has been in the natural food stores on the West Coast and some of our local co-ops. But really, for the past 15 years, she has worked at Lunds and Byerly's, and you've been overseeing the organic and natural program and a few other things, a lot of other things at Lunds and Byerly's, and you were actually on the 
National Organic Board from 2005 to 2010. Because yeah. I remember you used to be dashing back and forth to D.C. Yeah. <laughs> all the time when you were doing this radio show back then. Yes. So, you know, I think as soon as I ask Bea a question, you'll realize her passion for providing quality foods. You had that passion a few years ago. We have that in common, Dar. And you still have that passion. <laughs> So welcome, B. Let's start. Let's get into some of the questions. Let's dig uh, in. Okay. I think one of the big topics today is GMOs mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. non-GMOs. And really, I recently read 50% of people believe that genetically modified foods are not safe. So what's your take on all this, on genetically modified foods? How long is this show? (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks, Dar. It's really a a pleasure to be back with you and in the studio again, even with that growing man wall over there. Oh, (laughs) yes, it is. I haven't noticed. (laughs) Um, So as far as my take on GMOs, there's really two areas that most consumers are concerned about. And the first one is that GMOs that alter the natural genetic DNA Mm -hmm. um, of a plant is a concern. Since plants have been around since the dawn of time, evolving naturally, and where they work with the ecosystem mm-hmm. um, and the ever-changing ecosystem. And we've been eating them, so we've been evolving with these plants as well. So in essence, we have evolved with the plants that we eat, depending on them for our well-being and survival. And there is a symbiotic relationship between humans and these plants. Um, so if the DNA of a plant has a forced unnatural change and then we eat the plant, how will that impact our health? And what happens to the evolution of us as these plants are um, manipulated and, and changed? So, so that is an unknown and that's a concern for mm-hmm. many consumers. It's just the unknown of all of that. Uh, the second issue is testing or the lack thereof. There, there really is no agency overseeing um, the test or testing GMOs, okay. even though that the FDA approves a lot of GMO products as salmon, as you know, as recently mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. approved by the FDA. Yes. But there, there is no studies to show that what happens with um, the salmon when we consume it. And so that's that's a big concern for a lot of consumers, too, is that I think a lot of people feel like they're guinea pigs and that we're eating these genetically engineered foods, even though there are no studies for the long-term effects. So in essence, we are the study for the long-term <laughs> effects. And um, sometimes people don't want to be that study. Right. So, B, I think, you know, even before, let's think... I think one of the questions that people often have is how do we how do we really genetically modify something? I mean, you know, go back a couple of steps on some of this because the people they hear that word, they it's thrown around all the time. But what does it really mean? Yeah, I mean it doesn't really sound like a food term, does it? No. So I, I think that's one area of concern for a lot of people, too, is that the idea of eating something that is genetically modified, well, what does that mean? So it's a complex process, and I know a little, but I don't know everything, so I'll try to do my best to summarize it. (laughs) Um, So genetic engineering is a science-induced technique that changes the genetic makeup of a plant or an animal cell, and it produces new combinations of genes and traits that would not have occurred naturally with a plant or animal's native evolution. And so, this, B, so let's just take one, because we know that 
corn and soybeans mm-hmm. have they're the been. largest genetically engineered crops that there are is corn and soy. I'm going to throw a question at you. Hopefully, okay. hopefully you can answer. <laughs> so how do they genetically modify that like a soybean? What do they do? What okay. do they put in there? What do they use? Well, okay, it's typically done so that the plant or animals um, can grow faster, bigger, and stronger. Mm-hmm. So GMO plants are modified to include genes outside of their natural breed that is supposed to allow them to survive like the application in a crop of chemical herbicides or harsh weather or modified to affect the plant to produce so that the plant itself actually produces pesticides that resist the pest. So in summary, the procedure, um, which disrupts the precise orchestration of thousands of genes that have evolved over millennia in the plant's normal genome, is highly mutagenic. And I know that might sound like a lot for for the listeners out there, but basically what happens is um, with uh, a plant, they are taking the plant and they're introducing a gene outside of its natural genetic makeup. And sometimes those genes can be outside of the plant kingdom. It could be a bacteria or it could also be uh, something, a gene from an animal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's a very precise science that is done, like I said, so that it's supposed to uh, create this resistance in the crops and in the fields. But so far, there is not a lot of proof that um, these GMO seeds are having any less application of pesticides than a non-GMO seed. Oh, really? That's mm-hmm. interesting. So it's like uh, my understanding in the past has always been that a lot like if you think in terms of soybean or mm-hmm. corn, that they would were genetically modified with a either a fungus Sometimes, or usually a, bac- a bacteria, or mm-hmm. a bacteria, which is kind of interesting to think about that we put a bacteria into a seed mm-hmm. to have it more, I guess they do it because it's more resistant to other harsh chem- chemicals, to, to chemicals or pests or harsh inclemental weather conditions like that. Um, you know, and it's not just... Uh, us that are impacted by genetic engineering. There's a whole ecosystem that relies on plants as well. The cross, the natural cross pollination process. There are lots of insects that are our friends and are not um, uh, reacting to the pollination of genetically modified plants and flowers very well. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard stories about, you know, the dying bee colony mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the monarch butterflies. Um, and the problem is, is that there's a lot of farmers, especially small small farmers that say, you know, I don't want to use these GMO seeds or I don't want to use harsh pesticides because it's having an impact on, they have might have hives as a part of their natural process for farming and the bees are dying off. Um, but there's a lack of support through the science in order to support the farmer in those claims. So go, go ahead, Bradney. Oh, I was just going to say, so just kind of uh, recap why these are even genetically modified. B, you said to grow bigger, faster, mm-hmm. stronger. Mm-hmm. And then also a big part of it is being resistant to the pesticides that and, they put on. Right. And the weather. Yeah. Yep. So I think we, you know what, we and Brittany, I think what it's quickly Great does. Time. does oh yes, my go goodness. ahead. 
You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I am Brittany Thomas, registered and licensed dietitian. And joining me today is Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and B. James, director of natural and organics at all of the Lunds and Byerleys in the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I want to invite you to an open house at three of our nutritional weight and wellness locations today. We're offering a free class. It's Nutrition to Reduce Aches and Pains. And that's going to be from 11 to 12 at the Lakeville Nutritional Weight and Wellness, at the Mendota Heights, and at the Eden Prairie locations. And again, our space is somewhat limited, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of first come to get a seat. You know, our open house is part of the Green Lotus Yoga Studio Annual Customer Appreciation Day. In addition to the free class, we're offering 15 minutes, Ask the Nutritionist. And these are free sessions. And so just, you can just come in and sign up. And, um, you know, we're also offering 15% off of any of our supplements. And the nice thing is, if you buy a $100 gift certificate, which is good for counseling or classes, it's worth $125. And if you want more details, just call 651-699-3438. And if you have questions for B today, call 651-641-1071. I almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Those supplements sound like a great stocking stuffer idea. It right? is. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. People have been... Really stacking up with their supplements. (laughs) (laughs) So before the break, we were talking about genetically modified foods. And so, B, can you answer and tell us why are foods genetically modified and how are they? And so let's give the example of this new genetically modified salmon. Yeah, I know it's a hot topic right now is Mm -hmm. um, the reason that the salmon, genetically modified salmon is... uh, Uh, such a hot issue is it's the first time that an animal has actually been approved by the FDA for consumption that is genetically modified. So with the salmon, um, it's the same as with the plants. So what they've done is they've taken an Atlantic salmon, which tends to be a bigger fish, and they figured out a way to make it even bigger by crossing the genes of a Chinook and an ocean eel pout into the Atlantic salmon. So now that salmon will grow bigger, faster, um, in a shorter amount of time, Mm -hmm. which really is all about trying to feed um, our mass population. And, uh, you know, and that's a whole subject as to, you know, why do we have genetically modified foods? Well, there's a lot of um, theory out there that having stronger crops that are bigger is going to help feed our ever-growing population um, but then there's the question, do we really need to eat as much as, as we're eating? And wouldn't mm-hmm. it be better for us to have pure food that is smaller quantities, that is clean and not genetically yeah. engineered and not treated with pesticides and, and grown locally? Um, you know, we could get into the discussion of obesity and how much food do we really need in the United States and is genetic engineering keeping us in this overconsumption state or um, maybe mm-hmm. we need to look at how we're eating altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting point. Yes. You know, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, consumers, about two thirds of consumers 
don't really support genetically modified foods. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe talk a little bit about labeling of GMOs and how do we know when we're eating food that's been genetically modified? Okay. So um, as you said, yes, consumers are concerned because of the lack, as I mentioned, the lack of science that proves GMOs are safe. And in- I think that's a big, interesting point, which I didn't really understand. There is no scientific yeah. reason. There's no one following this up. Right. So there is. there are some groups that are looking at um, whether or not GMO foods are actually GMO for labeling purposes, but in terms of the safety of GMOs and what it does to the environment, how it impacts the ecosystem, how it impacts uh, humans that are consuming it, mm-hmm. that's where there's a lack of science. And so intuitively, the organic and natural consumer does not see GMOs as natural. And uh, since it's a man-made change that alters the plant. If you don't want to eat GMO foods, then you need to learn to read labels. And Dar, this is something that we've been talking about for a very long time. Be a label reader, be a label reader, and look for either GMO-free claims on the product or um, look for organic labeling. So lack of labeling in science has sparked the development of a campaign from an organization um, called the Non-GMO Projects. Mm-hmm. They have a campaign that's called the Right to Know. I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of it, and some probably have not. Um, so what they do is they take, uh, they have a large library of brands that are GMO free. And you can go onto their website at nongmoproject.org and you can download that list oh, of, that's good of, to know. Of, pro- of products. So, um, and to be, what was that name? What's that uh, website again? It's a nongmoproject.org. Okay. So I have to get this in. I want to make sure that people know <laughs> also, this is, this is where I really like to campaign, and that is that the best option for avoiding GMOs is to buy organic. The USDA does not allow the use of GMOs in organic foods because the organic rule prohibits it. Okay. And... Um, organic foods have many other benefits that non-GMO certified foods don't have, such as being pesticide-free, synthetic and chemical-free, RGBH, recombinant bovine growth hormone, um, uh, free, antibiotic-free, artificial flavor-free, color-free, <laughs> preservative-free, and that's a lot of free for a little organic yeah. apple, you know? Um, yes, it is. Yeah. So I'll just reiterate, the best way to choose uh, GMO-free pro- uh, products is to, one, look for the non-GMO seal from the non-GMO project um, or choose organic foods. I think that's really great to know because, Dar, you mentioned a lot of people don't believe in GMO foods. However, most people don't know how to avoid them. Right. So... That's great. You know, I always want to bring things back to real food, you mm-hmm. know, so some of these everyday foods that are being genetically modified. So here's one. Let's talk about potatoes. You know, I was 20 years ago, I think it was about 20 years ago, I was visiting Rexburg, Idaho, and I was seeing these potato fields and planes were flying over with this spray, this pesticides that they were spraying on all the potatoes. Hopefully you were undercover. Well, you know, it was really interesting. That's exactly what I thought. I should be inside, out of out of yeah. range of this. So at that point, I decided a regular commercial raised potato was really not for me. I wasn't going to eat those things. No. So I switched to eating organic potatoes 
And it, actually, I try to buy smaller potatoes because I know there's less starch and less sugar in those. And much less than in a big, large baked potato. So I get my half a cup of, you know, potato fix. I think a lot of people love potatoes. Yes. And I don't, then I don't get too many carbs. So now there is a new potato that resists bruising and has a reduced the amounts of suspected cancer causing chemicals when uh, these potatoes are fried. And this is a genetically yeah. modified potato, which is kind of interesting. It's very interesting. But let's get real. We just should simply not be eating potatoes fried in these refined damaged oils. Yes. And perhaps that's the reason the Nurses Health Study found that a little girls who ate French fries once a week had a 27% higher risk of developing breast cancer as an adult. If they ate French fries twice a week, that risk factor went up 54%. Now, that's one of the studies that we always talk mm-hmm. about in many of our classes because it's so shocking. It's scary. And I was a little girl who loved French fries. <laughs> and yes, yeah. and probably French fries from a fast food mm-hmm. with the refined oils mm-hmm. and everything. Well, I have a little story about those potatoes that you're referencing. Um, Back in 1990, uh, GMO-modified potatoes were introduced using genes from other species and from bacteria. So uh, consumers backlashed back then, and McDonald's uh, started to use these potatoes, and there was a huge outcry from consumers. And so McDonald's ended up pulling them out of their chain. And um, However... Uh, Just March of this year, that same company reintroduced the GMO potato again, and it was approved by the FDA. A lot of people don't know that. And this new potato is made from genes derived just from potatoes themselves instead of other bacteria and genes from other um, plants outside of the potato. So the jury is out as to whether or not McDonald's or Frito-Lay or any other big potato company will pick them up. Um, But... I have a rule of thumb for myself, anything that grows close to the ground because it absorbs everything from the earth and those pesticides that you referenced are just Mm -hmm. falling right onto the soil and going right into the ground. And that is what is going into your any kind of root vegetables. So it's very important to choose organic when you look at um, root vegetables. Okay, so carrots and parsnips. Carrots and parsnips, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Yep. And the interesting thing is, is that why they taste better, too? Uh, well, I yeah, because, you know, soil that's organic is a lot more rich in phosphorus and a lot of different nutrients. So um, you want to make sure that you have a healthy soil for a, a healthy root vegetable, and then that's what you're consuming, and you're getting those nutrients. You know, the old Thanksgiving uh, sweet potato recipe that used to be out there that people made all the time with... You marshmallows. Know, marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. Brown sugar. Well, you know, they were trying to make the potato taste better, the sweet potato taste better. It already tastes sweet. Yes. Yeah. It would taste sweet when it's organic. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily taste sweet when it's not organic, mm-hmm. though. The best way to make potatoes taste better is with butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it is already time for our second break. And you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And did you realize that each year the average American is exposed to over 14 pounds of pesticides, herbicides, food additives, and preservatives? 
14 pounds. 14 pounds is a lot. Wow. So you're probably asking, how can you reduce that toxic load? So try this on for size. Eliminate processed foods, fast foods, and soda. And that eliminates a lot of food that most people are eating. Exactly. And drink only organic milk or use dairy products labeled free of bovine growth hormones. Growth hormones are injected into cows to boost milk output. So buy organic for your kids or choose brands that voluntarily label their products from cows not treated with RBST. So want more information about milk and other dairy products? B. James wrote a blog, What's in Your Milk? That's posted on the Lunds and Byerly's website. So that is going to be a really great reference. And then we are also reposting it on our web, on our Facebook page. Good. So. Great. So if you have questions for us today, 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if you have a college student or a spouse or even a parent on your Christmas list, I have some gift ideas. Buy your sister, mother, wife, husband, friend a gift certificate to a class or a nutrition counseling session. You'll spend $100 and get a certificate for $125. Good way to pay for your Nutrition for Weight Loss series in January, and you actually can save $50. For the college student, I suggest, you know, add two or three canisters of the Wellness Whey Protein in a container of the dynamic greens so that they can be making their shakes. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have a kiwi strawberry flavor or a chocolate flavor. You know, get them a couple and mix and match so that they're always getting some good protein as they go off to class. Great idea. Today, December 5th, you can save 15% on all your supplements and maybe add a wellness formula in the bag so that they're not getting the viruses and the colds and the flu and they can stay in their classes. <laughs> <laughs> so, bef- or while we went on to break, I was talking about milk products mm-hmm. and growth hormones in milk. So, B, can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, conventional milk, uh, which is basically non-organic milk, is produced on industrial uh, factory farms where cows are almost always given um, uh, either... RGBH or RBST, which are the two most common synthetic growth hormones. I mean, cows have natural hormones, Mm -hmm. but then they're given these synthetic hormones so that they will produce more milk. And what happens is that that's not a natural um, growth for the dairy cow, and it puts a lot of stress on their immune system. And they end up getting what's called mastitis, which is mm-hmm. uh, tumors in the udder. And in order for the cow to continue to produce milk while they have mastitis, then they're given antibiotics. So conventional milk is, um, you know, generally it, even though they do test to make sure that it falls below a certain point of any kind of uh, growth hormone, there's still uh, growth hormones that end up in the milk as well as the antibiotics as well. Hmm. So, and then... Poor it, cows. Poor cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they produce more milk, but then they've got the antibiotic residue and yeah. also the growth hormone residue right. in the milk. Right. But then you have... Um, Organic Valley. I love Organic Valley. I, I know them and I've seen a lot of these farms there. It's a co-op of small farms. It's mm-hmm. not, 
industrial factory farms where they have thousands of cows in uh, in barns. It's um, open fields with small farmers that are raising these cows. Uh, they they are free to exercise their natural behaviors. They go outside. They get sunshine. They walk. Um, and those cows are not treated with growth hormones or antibiotics because it's not allowed in the organic rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it tastes better. It does so taste better. Much better. Yeah. And I wanted to um, say that in in our home, I give my son whole milk and cows produce uh, just not far away from 2%. It's like 2.4%, somewhere around there, milk fat. And uh, so you might as well just go ahead and get whole milk because yes. it's less processed. And that fat, as I've learned from you, Dar, is actually uh, good for you. Mm-hmm. And it's good for your brain. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. kids need that brain fat, you know, the and fat it, for the brain. It tastes better. And it tastes better di- with graham crackers, too. <laughs> <laughs> Organic graham crackers. Organic graham crackers, yes, of course. (laughs) So should we take a caller? Yes, we should. Good morning, Linda. You have a question for us? Good morning. Oh, hi. Hi there. This is Linda. Hi, Linda. Um, Hi. Uh, Boy, I've been listening, so my brain went somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was thinking about the um, the whole situation with FDA approving... um, some of the, the GMO products and animals and plants, and wondering why are they approving it if there there isn't science to back up the fact that it's it's not tested well enough. And then what can people do to be influential? If you can influence by not patronizing places and then cause a company like McDonald's to stop buying those potatoes, mm-hmm. is there mm-hmm. is that the way? Is it the only way or? The FDA just seems untouchable, like it's this great mystic power that has influence over everybody. And it feels like it's really scary to think that a company, or not a company, but a government uh, run, if I understand it, um, organization can have that much influence on our health without us having anything to do, anything to say about it. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, Linda, when I was kind of putting together my thoughts on this show, I called my friend, who's been a friend since fifth grade, and I said, Peggy, what do you want to know about GMOs? And she said, they're not allowed in Europe, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. That's isn't right. It? Yeah. And yeah. It, it really does point to, I mean, what you're kind of alluding to, at least with the FDA, um, the governing agencies in Europe, they absolutely don't allow it. So but, why, why does our government allow it? <laughs> and I understand money. They're, sub, they're getting... They're getting paid off, or they're you know there's there's corruption in there, isn't it? Well, isn't that what corruption is all about when you're paying somebody to do something they shouldn't be doing. Well, that's we don't know that, but I would say that we're we're not powerless. And in 1990, when um, the USDA got involved with trying to form organic regulations, there was a lot of things that were included in that regulation that the consumers didn't like, such as sewage sludge and antibiotics and things like that. And it was one of the largest outpourings of protest about how consumers wanted to have their food. And so because so many people wrote in and so many natural food stores got canvassing against it, it actually changed the organic regulations. So we are not powerless. We, we, we do have, most people don't realize that you can go to the federal register on the FDA website as well as the USDA website and you can submit your question as a concern. If more consumers did that, then it would, it would change regulations and it would change decisions that are made. It just takes 
a lot of people to do that. So mm-hmm. in terms of how things are approved, that's a really good question, and I wish I could answer it. I know that the process is that these um, uh, different GMO products get submitted as a proposal into the FDA, and then the FDA approves it based on uh, the agricultural crop industry and not so much the scientific studies of of how it's impacting the environment and the health. It is more about uh, agribusiness and not so much about consumers' well-being or the ecosystem. Hmm. Interesting. So, great questions. Great discussion, Linda. Thank you for calling us today. Thanks for calling. Thank you. So I think one of the things that we, and we kind of talked a little bit about this before, we, we talked about the salmon that is being genetically modified, but maybe just kind of touch that again, because we know, you know, there's other foods that are being genetically modified. Mm-hmm. And yeah, let's, let's um, make sure that your listeners understand that GMO salmon is a cross of genes Uh, into an Atlantic salmon, and it's done by taking the genes from a Chinook salmon and an ocean eel pout to create a a bigger Atlantic farm salmon. So the GMO salmon takes only one and a half years to grow to full size, which is, uh, that full size is about three times larger than a Chinook salmon in the wild. Wow. Yeah, and instead of three years, so Mm -hmm. it's cutting the growth time in half. And like all GMOs, it would not have to carry a GMO label so that you know that it's genetically engineered. So the issue is double-fold here when it comes to the salmon. So you've got the farming issue, which... I could really, I don't, oh, yes. I, I don't want to take the rest of your time talking about yes. the farming issue, but I do want to say that um, aquaculture, which is uh, farmed fish, really has come a long way. And not all farmed fish are bad. Salmon is one of the most controversial uh, seafood items out there when it comes to aquaculture. And that's because salmon are wild. They need to swim hard. They need to swim fast. They're not made for sitting in an open net pen uh, that causes sickness for them when they can't be uh, swimming upstream and exercising their their natural behavior. So you've got that issue. Sound like people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, so, but without a good sustainable aquaculture industry, the wild seafood would would be depleted to the to the point of extinction, and that's a whole nother topic. And I could definitely come back on and talk to you. I think that's a great. <laughs> that's a I think idea. we should have that because mm-hmm. people have that question all the time. Yep. When we're sitting down with them in a counseling session or yep. when we're teaching classes. Yeah, not all farm fish is bad. Okay. And, and we do and need And how do it. we know which ones are good and how do we know which ones are bad? Yeah, that's where you really need to, you know, people always say, know your farmer. Well, you need to know your your seafood, your meat and seafood manager that's working in the grocery store. And they mm-hmm. should have that information. So I encourage you to shop at places such as Lunds and Byerly's, as well as um, the natural food stores. You know, they Mm -hmm. know, they do their homework. We do our homework. We work with the Monterey Bay Aquarium directly. And um, we have uh, over 80% of our seafood at Lunds and Byerly's is sustainably farmed. Okay. That's good to know. It is time for break number three already. How does that happen so fast? I know. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brittany Thomas, registered and licensed dietitian. I am here with Darlene Kavist, founder of Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and we are so pleased to have B. James, Director of Organics and Natural Foods, the Minneapolis-St. Paul area Lunds and Byerly stores, joining us today. So if you have questions for B, call at 651 641 
1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, December is a busy time for shopping, but it's also the time to do a little self-care. If you stay with your weight and wellness eating plan, you'll have energy, good mood, no heartburn, no digestive problems, and you won't gain those extra 10 pounds over the holidays. It is time to make an appointment with your weight and wellness nutritionist, maybe. So we're available by phone or in person for appointments. So give us a call and really feel great this holiday season. Our number is 651-699-3438. And we were talking about a lot of things before. So mm-hmm. um, so we're going to move off of that GMO discussion. Let's move on. And let's look at some terms that we throw around and really, I think a lot of times our shoppers don't fully understand the difference between, let's say, organic, natural, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. conventional. Mm-hmm. So be help us sort these terms out. Okay, I'm going to have to give you the three-minute radio version, or I'm going to try my best <laughs> since it's a complex topic. But, okay, so organic foods are USDA-regulated and certified by a third-party accredited inspector to strict national organic program standards. So the National Organic Program is part of the USDA. Simply put, organic foods, so that people understand what they are, it's, I brought the the Federal Register code so that you could see all the different information there, but in a nutshell, um, it's grown in soil without harsh pesticides or chemical fertilizers. Organic foods have no artificial preservatives or synthetic ingredients. There's no GMOs allowed. There's no synthetic growth hormones allowed. Um, and there's no antibiotics allowed. So that sounds good. I it mean, does. Sounds or, perfect. Choose organic. <laughs> and so when, go ahead, Brittany. When I'm taking uh, people on the grocery store tours, a very common question is... The natural. Is natural a good choice? Okay, so that's where I need four minutes instead of three minutes. Uh, this is where things get sticky. Natural, of course, um, if it's truly natural, is better than junk food, but you need to know how to tell the difference. And this is where it's difficult because there is no regulated definition of natural. So organic foods is regulated. It's labeled. You see the organic uh, word on a package or you see the USDA organic seal. You know that it's been certified and it's inspected. Um, However, the term natural is being looked at by our lovely FDA. And they last month they requested public comment on the definition of natural. So they are looking into it. Okay. And um, but today. Natural can mean anything. So you need to be a label reader. I get back to those labels (laughs) and look at your ingredients. And I I really can't stress this enough. If you want to eat real food, read the ingredient label. And if there are ingredients you don't recognize as food, I would say nine times out of 10, it's most likely not natural. In the natural food industry, natural means, and the natural food industry is really the the mothership of where the term natural came from. And it means no artificial flavors, no colors, no preservatives, no high fructose corn syrup, no synthetic MSG. Some foods have natural MSG, but so there's no synthetic trans fats and no antibiotics. So it differs from organic in that natural foods are grown organically. Um, So natural food or Natural foods, I'm sorry, are not grown organically. And um, so natural foods can be from conventionally grown crops that use pesticides or GMOs. 
natural food is good, but organic food is better. Well, so then the next one that we see all the time is, you know, many stores list foods as conventionally grown. So then my question is always, if foods are conventionally grown and sold in a natural food store, is it better than any conventional grown and sold in the big box store? Um, simple answer, no. <laughs> Conventionally, <laughs> conventional or industrial grown food is pretty much all the same. Um, conventionally grown apples from the state of Washington, for instance, are the same in a box store as they are in the co-op uh, or in any natural food store or regular grocery store. If you're shopping the produce department, I have a little key code for your listeners. I'm writing so, it down. Okay, okay. Um, if you want, if you're shopping in the produce department and want to be assured that you are getting organic, what you can do is you look at the PLU. So the PLU is the code that is used uh, at the cash register for the, the cashier will enter it in and it comes up as um, Braeburn apple or whatever kind of produce that you're buying. So if it starts with a nine, then that means that that produce item is organic. If okay. it starts with an eight it means that it's genetically engineered. And if it has four digits that usually start with the number four, it's conventional. So be a label reader, no matter where you shop, um, that's how you, that's how you shop smart. And package products, you read the ingredients and the front label for claims like GMO free or USDA organic produce, you know your PLU codes. Perfect. Very good information. Yes. Yeah. Well, this show flew by, as always. So we didn't even get to cage-free and all we those did things. Not. Okay. But next show. follow us on Facebook, and we will be providing that information for you. So thank you for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you found this show valuable, please share it. And we hope it. you did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> please share it with a friend or family member. Our message each week is to explain how eating real food supports your health and well-being. It's a simple but extremely powerful, life-changing message. So be sure to tune in next week and listen to Leah and Cassie give nutritional tips on how to avoid getting heartburn during the holidays. And if you miss part of the show or you want to look at other shows, remember you can download our show at our website, weightandwellness.com. That went yeah. so fast. And our- as always, <laughs> B. James, you shared wonderful information. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank and, you very much. You know, I think all of our listeners can use it when the, when they're out shopping at any store. Mm-hmm. Um, we really com- we thank you so much for your passion, your commitment. You know, thirty years commitment to quality foods is wonderful. And thank you for helping us get Dishing Up Nutrition started eleven years ago. Oh, thank you, Dar. It's been a pleasure to be here. And thank we you so want much. you back to talk about farm raised fish, okay, mm-hmm. or not? So. Absolutely, or Eggs, too. I think there were some questions about that. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.